Episode 18, The Spirit of the Greeks in Australia. G'day guys, how's about we put another shrimp on the barbie and crack open another coldy? Marge! Marge! Bring us a VB, love. Hmm. Cuts in a little bit, yeah. Um, you just clicked on Just Greeks and Beats, right? The latest episode of Just Greeks and Beats? I'm pretty sure this isn't just another Aussie and his beer. <laughs> no, not that that's actually another podcast that I host, uh, let alone, I don't even know if it is an actual podcast, but hmm, that might be a uh, pretty uh, pretty good idea, matey. Fili que files yasas, calosírthate ya kiali mia evdomada que ya kialo en episodio to Just Greeks and Beats podcast. Είμαι πάρα πολύ χαρούμενος που σας έχω πάλι μαζί μου για παρέα. It has been a couple of weeks since my last episode on Aya Sofia, and I cannot thank you guys enough for the tremendous feedback you have given me. Uh, just wow! It was. Um, I know that parts of my episode were quite shaky, um, but it was an emotional recording with unrivaled passion. I cried so much in that episode, putting it together due to the topics that we discussed, but also I got fired up and I got really angry as well, which is the first for my series. The episode, how this episode, however, guys, and I'm talking now, we're talking episode 18. Wow, 18, I'm finally, I'm finally legal, hey? This one is taking me back to the roots of my podcast and the reasons why I started Just Greeks and Beats. Look, we're all going to have a bit of a, bit, a chilled out laugh about growing up Greek and what I identify as the spirit of Greeks here in Australia. Growing up Greek in Australia in the 80s was fantastic. It was a great time to grow up. Let's have a chat about my childhood and how fun it was. At the young age of 36, having cast my net across a diverse range of friends in my life, I can now look back on my childhood and honestly say it was very, very different, to say the least. My parents were born and raised in the southern parts of Greece, as mentioned in previous episodes, Peloponisos, my dad being from Megalopoli Arcadias, and my mum being from Gargaliani Messinias. They both came here with a suitcase each and worked blue-collar jobs. My mum was a cleaner, and my dad um, worked in the Chevrolet factory. That's right, once operated here out of Adelaide, the Chevrolet factory, and then um, worked in a cement factory and a couple of other blue-collar factories before opening his own welding business. They did what my most immigrant Greeks did, and they bought. They worked hard. They bought a house, worked harder, paid it off, bought another house, paid it off, repeat, repeat. They built an empire before raising a family. These days, my generation struggle to even save the twenty percent deposit in order to get a loan for a home for a house um, that they need. They want to buy, which then takes them thirty to forty years to pay off. Where my mum and dad paid off entire houses 
in less than a few years. Unbelievable. But it all came at a price though. My parents were the ultimate sigunides. That is Greek for tight asses. The price we pay, <laughs> the price I paid as growing up as uh, as a Greek kid here in Australia was definitely not a price we would ever make our children pay. I definitely don't. I love to spoil my kids. I mean, I work hard, but I like to spoil my kids now. Being a tight ass meant our weekends consisted of trips to Thea and Theo's house to play with my cousins, who were, mind you, at least 10 to 22 years older than me. Now imagine, here's little Valandi, five, six years old, going over to his auntie and uncle's house, and uh, his cousins, who are, you know, 15, the youngest, and uh, anywhere between 15 and 25 at the time, right? Why the hell would they go and play with their little cousin, with a five or six-year-old? Why? Honestly. They were at the age where they'd probably be bringing, you know, the chicks over to their place, or um, the girls would be, you know, doing their hairs and makeups and whatever they used to do. I don't know. Whatever. Mate, as a kid, I never visited play centers. I never visited arcades. I never visited cinemas, bowling arenas. Nothing. Nothing. To me, my visit was Theo and Theo's house. I had to follow my parents everywhere as a kid, which entailed sitting in my auntie's Galo Saloni, the formal lounge, which was only used for special occasions like visitors and just in case the queen or king ever popped over. I'm not sure how many times the queen has ever visited my parents, but they still have a lounge set, a three-seater, and a two-seater that is covered entirely in plastic. Guys, I don't ever, I actually don't ever recall anyone ever sitting on this lounge. And that's the honest truth. I don't think anyone has ever sat on that couch. And that includes my aunties and uncles that visited from Greece. Unbelievable. When I would visit my auntie and uncle, my Thea and Theo, I would always be instructed to sit there on the couch and not move as I eyed off the plate of gurabiedes or the big dish of um, fistikia and migdala and um, the little sugared almonds things that they would have on the middle of the table. I remember salivating because after being offered one gurabieda, I wanted another one, but then I would always get that fearful um, death stare from my dad for even thinking about asking for another one. Everything in my relative's house, guys, everything was forbidden, completely off of bounds. Our visits would often feel like an eternity. Now imagine, imagine this, three hour long visits, stuck on a couch, listening to four adults discussing politics, church, family stuff, gossip, in a day where I had nothing like a Game Boy, a Walkman, an iPhone, an iPad, it was torture, me After a whole night there, my mum would finally give my dad the look. When I say the look, I'll get into that in a sec, to get up, and then he'd give her back the same look to indicate, no, you get up first. Now, when I say um, when I say the look, it was like my mum would look at my dad 
and give him an upwards nod. So like, instead of, you know, you usually nod your head, you first would put you, you would point your head downwards. Well, this was a nod going upwards. So like, you know, he, she'd look him in the eyes, lift her head up, like quickly nod it up together with her eyebrows too. Like the eyebrows would raise too. And then my dad would like give her the look back, also give her the upwards uh, nod, you know, until one of them finally stood up, you know, because it was rude. It would be it would be deemed rude if they were to both get up together. So anyway, finally one person would get up and we would know that that was the time to leave. But this would be another one hour process because from the lounge room, they would then begin the goodbye kisses, or in my case, I'd be pinched on the cheeks about 50 times. And, uh, you know, the and the Greeks, being Greeks, two kisses, one on each cheek. And then you'd walk to the, the hallway. You'd have another conversation at the hallway. Then you'd walk to the front door. And you'd have a conversation in front of, you know, that famous painting at that front door, which has been there for over 50 years. And uh, it's, it's been hanging there for that long that if you were to lift it up today, the walls behind it would be bright white um, directly behind the photo frame. But around it would be like, you know, black from the years of, uh, of dust and grime that's uh, grown over the time. <laughs> and then we'd have more kisses. And then the man of the house, my Theo in this instance, walks you out to the car while the rest of the family, my Thea and my cousins, would just uh, stand at the door, waving, waving, waving. And then we'd get in the car, and they're still waving. And then we drive off, and they're still waving. And they're waving, and waving until the car is in such a far distance, they can't see anymore. Anything before this was considered an armartia, a sin, which... Uh, which may result in someone being called a paraxeno or weirdly behaved. That's right. You could have been called a paraxeno for not following this protocol. This is a farewell protocol that has caused quite a bit of angst in my family. And trust me, growing up, there were stacks of relatives that we stopped seeing all because of this silly broken protocol. But you know what? Better for me. I never had to grow up and seen them again. Grace, I didn't even have to invite them to my wedding. Boom! Bonus! <laughs> Growing up for me, fun meant that I was allowed to go out into the street. I was allowed to ride my bike for hours. I was allowed to kick a ball around. I'd like... I'd be allowed to you know jump on my skateboard cruise through the neighborhood streets not a fear in the world my parents had no mobile phones for us to be checked on no worries no problems at all yet and i mean this is a massive yet going to a friend's party was off limits i think my entire childhood i went to four parties and was never allowed to sleep over Actually, now that I think of it, I don't know if those parties were uh, where I went to as a kid were even worth the psychological damage they did to me. My mum would make me dress up as if I was going to Ecclesia in my costumaki or like a little tuxedo and my calapapucha, my good shoes. 
I would never forget the time I was made to wear a black and white checkered pants with brown belt, a white shirt and a black frilly vest and a shiny patent pair of leather shoes. I was like Travolta in a Saturday Night Fever film while all the other kids were just ordinary trackies and hoodies. And mind you, this was for a seventh birthday. That's right. In the backyard of someone's house. Unbelievable. I still remember, and I've got photos of that as well. I think I'm going to have to try and find it and uh, chuck it up somewhere on my social media so you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, God. Hey, while growing up, school was also a very serious matter. Even though my parents were tsiguni this and they saved every dollar they could, private school was a priority as they wanted a better life for me uh, than the one that they had when they were growing up. In my case, not only did it have to be a private school, it had to be a Greek private school. My parents were never academic. My father was one of six siblings, and my grandparents only had enough money to send their kids, one of their kids to school. And being the oldest and the firstborn male, that was my uncle Chris. An A wasn't acceptable to my parents. If it wasn't an A+, plus, I was to feel the wrath. I'm telling you, they used to ground us for unreasonable amounts of time. I would be locked in my room for three months. I mean, who grounds their child for three months? Ground from what, you ask? Seeing as I wasn't allowed out of the house. I was grounded from television, and I was grounded from Baximadia. Guys, it was a nightmare. I think that's why I'm so much into my podcasting now, because I spent so much time growing up being locked in my room, sitting with my uh, writing in my books and taking a, uh, talking a lot of my like years into my radio voice recorder onto a tape. And I pretended that I was a radio show host. Well, well, guys, I am a radio show host. And now I'm a podcast host. Who would have thought? Growing up Greek, you do not back chat or misbehave or the consequences were far too harsh. Well, in today's society, the extreme lefties would consider it full hardcore child abuse. Yeah, yabo. Um, you also, as I learned in, in, in my adult years, Never, ever, ever tell a Aussie friend what the extent of these consequences were because they will look at you as though you had survived the hardships of war. Punishment as a Greek child came in the form of choose your own punisher and weapon of choice. Oh, man. I mean, I could choose my mum who had the kutala, a wooden spoon, or I could choose my dad who had multiple weapons of choice such as the zoni, the belt, the verga, which is an olive branch, or his hand if he had to. If I ever heard, that would mean, you're going to eat wood, which is the direct translation, but actually means, come here, you're going to cop it. Mate, I bolted. Having said all this though, and looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. If you asked me then, though, or heard some of the conversations I had with myself in my locked-up room, you'd hear how much I wished I had my parents, like uh, I had parents like the Aftralezo next door, Liam, um, whose parents literally gave no caca about the way they raised him. I wonder what that bloke is up to these days. 
Last I heard, he was locked up. Fact is, though, I and many Greek kids of my era turned out all right. We turned out great, actually. I mean, we are respectful to our elders. We studied hard. We learned the value of a dollar. Even if I do buy a lot of useless gadgets and crap on Wish.com. And we are all athletic. Well, from the running that we did to uh, avoid all that punishment. Not me. Not me. I mean, I'm athletic in the way that I love to watch soccer, but I can't run to save my life. I mean, not even to get that first piece of Galactoburico. Nah, it was... As mentioned many times in my podcast series, guys, the most amazing thing about growing up Greek, though, was the togetherness of the family unit. I don't mean the times that you did something wrong and would hear about it from your parents, uncles, grandparents, and even the phone call from your grandmother's neighbor back in the village. I mean, the love felt from so many people. There was a lot of, uh, you know, cheek pinching and money slipping into your pockets when you saw relatives. Oh, that was so good. Greeks in Australia are truly one of a kind. We are a unique style of Greeks, but we are as authentic as they come. There are intriguing reflections of Greece in Australia. There are places that tell the story of experience of migration, namely occupying a space in between two cultures. And there is a flowering of the Greek spirit in a number of leading planners and designers who are children of Greek migrants. Greek migration has made a significant contribution to Australia in many ways from the 19th century beginnings to the interwar years when Greek migrants established milk bars or delis and fish and chip shops in country towns to the 1950s and 60s, which was called the building of a nation through hard work in factories, steel mills and wharves. The experience of migration and the ways Greek migrants sought to make Australia feel more familiar resulted in places that were hybrids between ways of life in Greece and the new lives in Australia. Greek churches, restaurants, milk bars, houses and gardens are all abundant, although fast disappearing elements in Australian towns. When Greek immigrants flocked to Australia after World War II, little did they realize how warmly their food would uh, later be embraced. Australia, with its plentiful seafood, prosperity for olive growing, and rich and fertile soils, clearly lent itself to the so-called Mediterranean diet. But for many years, Greek immigrants were just were instead synonymous with milk bars and burger joints or fish and chip shops. So, a question would be how did how did Australia's love affair with Greek cuisine begin, and what what did the Greek influence bring to an increasingly multicultural Australia? It was the slow beginnings, according to a, um, a book called A Greek-Australian Food Odyssey, written by Tony Ripson. Compared to, with other ethnic cuisines, Greek food was slow to penetrate Australian culture. Ah, gotta love a good penetration, eh? Eh? <laughs> eh? From the 1920s to the 1960s, 
Greek cafes thrived in every city and country town in eastern states, but they were synonymous with mixed grills and milkshakes, with proprietors claiming that they had anything but Aussie Tucker they wouldn't have made a penny. Even with the large Greek populations of Melbourne, few traditional Greek restaurants operated prior to the 1970s. The proprietor of Tsindos restaurant recalls only four, maybe five restaurants at that time. It would be another 30 years before Suvlaki Hut, for example, appeared. At the end of World War II, the introduction of new tastes and flavours to everyday Australian life was signalled. The Australian government notes Australians' food senses were assaulted with a new range of smells, tastes and types of food. A large influx of Europeans migrated to Australia, especially from the Mediterranean, Italy, Greece, Turkey, Lebanon, as well as the Baltic states and Russia. Barrows of fresh eggplants, zucchinis, tomatoes, olives, capsicums, garlic were sold at the streets of major Australian cities and entered the wholesale food markets. These foods were seen by many for the very first time. It was only a matter of time before authentic Greek cuisine would make its way into Australian dining culture. Restaurants serving authentic Greek cuisine finally took hold in the 1970s and 80s. The Greek influence on Australia's dining scene today is clear. Dishes such as souvlaki, taramosalata, lukumade, saganaki, musaka, spanakopita and more are part of the national diet. And the restaurant scene offers all manner of Greek food experiences from street food to high-end fine diners. But yeah, I just felt a rumble in my stomach here. Contemporary Greek flavors combine the finest of seasonal ingredients and traditional techniques, and they are a common addition to both the Australian kitchen and dining scene. Items like mezze, slow-cooked uh, or charcoal spit-roasted meats, seasonal vegetables, and succulent seafood are not only sought after but acclaimed at Greek restaurants all around Australia. Mate, I must admit, I love a good spit roasting, you know? Whew. Oh, that kreas, that, that kreas just turning. While Greek cuisine may have evolved and increased its influence over time, the one thing that hasn't changed is no matter what is on the table, a Greek family will always enjoy it together. Sharing food with love is one thing. And it has passed on through Greece's food history without any, any change. There's many things that you can uh, consider as Hellenic identity here in Australia, as the spirit of Greece here in Australia. I mean, food is definitely the number one thing when it comes to the representation of Greeks and Hellenicism here in Australia. I think that would be the main thing around the whole world. I know in America, you know, Greek restaurants are massive. But I think that as far as Greece, out of Greece, Australia does it really well. Um, you know, us Greeks here in Australia have really stuck with the traditions and and the ethic, the, the ethima, the traditions, the culture um, from Greece. So it's a beautiful thing. 
Throughout my series so far, we've discussed Hellenic identity and our place here in Australia. We have compared to life here to the one of that in the mother nation, Elava. In coming episodes, I have lined up some amazing people to talk to where... Um, where we will further dwell into Hellenicism and growing up Greek here in Australia. One of the future guests will also talk about growing up Greek, but not here in Australia, rather in America. Um, and that's, that's right, an upcoming interview all the way from the United States of America, who will talk to us about the similarities of growing up Greek here in, um, here in Australia and America compared to how much different it is from the mainland. I love Guys, don't forget, every Monday night, wherever you are in the world, you can jump onto thoughtyfotos.com.au or facebook.com forward slash Geffy Live Radio. And you can listen to the Geffy Live Radio show and Snoop Sports um, from 8 p.m. Adelaide time to 10 p.m. Adelaide time. Two hours of nothing but fresh, loved, and classic Greek tunes, and a little bit of sport with me and Jonathan Giannopoulos as Snoop. Um, so that's every Monday night. Also, don't forget my co- my sister podcast, The Toilet Trash Project, um, goes to air every Saturday, and we've got a rip snorter of a uh, of a episode this coming week with um, a pretty, pretty well-known Adelaide person. Um, stay tuned with everything Geffy Live related on Geffy.live www.geffy.live and thank you once again to our sponsors we've got uh, Martha at uh, Just Dance Fitness with Martha um, and you can visit her at uh, justdancefitness.com.au um, our, we also thank our new sponsor Sulitziolis at National Realty check him out on Facebook just search Sulitziolis T-S-I-O-L-I-S at National Realty on Facebook and of course our newest sponsor the Honey Puff Lads on Uber Eats every Thursday to Sunday night 6 to 10 p.m. They operate from Renown Park area so if you're within the 10 kilometer radius of that place make sure you jump on Uber Eats and order yourself some hot delicious Lukumades Galamari or chips um, or go visit them at 74 Tate Street 74 Tate Street in Renown Park. Guys, this is Valandi, and I will keep your Geffy streaming. Geffy.